BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So Jillian Mayen is back on the podcast with me today. You kicked off Matt James this season and you're back to wrap this baby up. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be back. I mean, seeing seeing an entire season of The Bachelor go through, it uh, feels like a lifetime. <laughs> Well, in this season in particular, as we will find out through the course of this recap, I feel like my, my feelings on the season have changed many times as the season has gone on. If anybody listened when I was doing the first recap, I was so excited about Matt James, about this season. The early episodes, I remember you and I had talked about it and it was just like, they seem really real. Like this seems like a great group of women. These they're having like authentic conversations with Matt, like conversations you would actually be having with somebody you're thinking about marrying. And it just felt very genuine for the first time in a really long time. It didn't have that like bachelor faux reality kind of sticker on it. And then it just evolved. I feel like the, the girls got a lot cattier. There was so much drama that just so cringy and ultimately I feel like I I ended the season disappointed and unfulfilled (laughs) I found even though the season was unsatisfying I enjoyed this season more than I have in years past and I wonder if it's because I was unspoiled this season I really felt like I didn't know what was coming at every step and I thought I would hate that but I, I seemed to enjoy it. I literally did not know what was going to come at every turn. And I enjoyed trying to figure it out on my own instead of knowing who to watch for and when. Yeah, I totally get that. That's why I, I've, wa- I've read spoilers um, once or twice and it always ruined the season for me. Like I just kind of stopped caring. Yeah, I, I like trying to see how it all evolves. Like I think the big surprise for me was that Abigail went home. And yeah. I for sure thought she would be in the final at least three. And then I, I also didn't watch the fantasy suites because I always kind of feel like fantasy suites are cringy. Call me. I mean, it, it's not because I'm a prude, but it's just like, I hate that they have to read the date card. And it's like, can you read this for me? And it's just uh, like, ah. But I watched the finale because I was like, I need to see how this turns out. I stuck with it. I only lost interest towards the end, um, but then definitely wanted to see how the finale worked out with all of the drama surrounding it. So let's pick up with, um, even though there's there's a lot to get to with the After the Final Rose, I kind of want to go through some of my thoughts on the episode in general. A red flag for me right off the bat, and tell me if you notice this, Matt is sitting down and talking to his mom and he's, you know, sitting up very tall and, you know, he's telling her his feelings and she says, wow, I'm noticing how animated you are. And I thought that was a mom saying, this ain't you. This is not you. It felt very much like yeah. her being like, hmm, what's happening here? I think, I think she knew that TV Matt was sitting in front of her. Did you notice that? I just felt that all of his conversations with his mom felt like she, she was in a way calling him out. 
um, and kind of like a, are you acting right now? Like, this doesn't feel right. I, I just, to me, yeah, there was a lot of subliminal messaging coming from his mom. I just thought that her words of caution, if you will, when she was like, love, I think she said, I don't remember what the quote was exactly, but the, you know, love isn't everything. To me, it didn't seem like she was projecting her marriage on him. It was more her trying to get him to see the bigger picture mm-hmm. rather than just like the microcosm of bachelor land. Her, her quote was feelings fade. That's what it was. Yeah. And he grabbed onto that and he, he held that close to him and he called upon that, those two words several times through the rest of the episode. And you're right. You bring up a good point. People criticized his mom for projecting. And I didn't feel that way. I didn't think she was shoving something at him that she shouldn't have. I felt like it was more the dose of reality of actual real life, because I took that feelings fade, not as a your marriage will fail, but more as a, you know, marry your best friend, you know, don't look at this as like the love of your life, some big blown up romanticized view of who you're supposed to end up with, who your soulmate is, but rather you need to find your best friend and the person that kind of completes you, not the person that you're infatuated with at this particular moment which is like the lesson of all of The Bachelor, right? Is you're stuck in this bubble for three months and of course you'll develop feelings for someone and be infatuated with them. But are you really going to be building a relationship that's strong enough to be best friends for the rest of your life and have a long lasting marriage? I also want to give a shout out to the brother because that brother (laughs) tried so hard to do and say all the right things. He was clearly so nervous and somebody at some point gave him an index card yep. of these are the questions you should ask. And he just yeah. delivered them and he asked the questions, but you know, he wanted to grab his brother and really talk to him, but he just didn't feel comfortable in that moment to do so. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing when he was um, asking Michelle questions and just like rattling them off. And I was like, whoa, 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 okay. Like there wasn't even time to react to what her response was. It was just like a straight up interview of here are my prepared questions and you're going to give me the answer that you would have inevitably prepared from watching seasons of The Bachelor and we're just going to move on to the next one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I, I enjoyed seeing his brother because it was kind of like a, a little glimpse into more of who Matt is too. Um, that's the part that I always find fun about like meeting the families is that you, you get to know the bachelor or the bachelorette a little bit more than you would, you know, just by watching them all season and seeing this like person they put out there. Um, and then, yeah, I always laugh because the families are always like, really? Like, really? Like, why is this? Why do you think this is going to work? And you can just hear it in every family's voice. And I always think about what my own parents would say if I oh, were yes. <laughs> And it just makes me laugh, like just thinking of it and how people would react to seeing my parents respond to that situation. So I thought it was clear in those conversations that he was more invested in how his family would feel about Rachel. He delivered the line that, you know, we cannot move forward if they don't like her, which he did not say about Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's been pretty clear that his heart has been with Rachel this whole time. But for me, that was another little nugget of like, beep. Which was weird to me because he said those things 
But then when he was actually interacting with her, I didn't see the chemistry. Like I just didn't get it. I thought it was weird the way, I thought his family actually responded better to Rachel than they did to Michelle. I just the whole thing of why Michelle wasn't the front runner in this episode was just weird to me. But. Well, okay. And I wholeheartedly disagree with you on that. And that does not mean that I think him and Rachel are some great match. But to me, and I, again, I saw it in their final date and we're going to circle back to the, um, oh no, I said circle back. We're going to go back to the Chris conversation, but let's roll with this Michelle thing. I found their dates to be silence. They never were really having that natural banter about one another. I've never seen a date where they really just clicky back and forth. I think Michelle has always been his good on paper girl. She is the teacher. She is kind. She is stunning. Like she's all the right things. And I think that's why he kept her around because she, she was the type of person he's supposed to fall in love with. And I just don't think he ever felt deeply. It was almost like the reverse of the, the girl on the yoga date. She, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To her, Matt was good on paper, but she could not get there. I think yeah. that was Matt with Michelle. She is really good on paper and he was just not in it with her. Tell me though, why you think she should have been more of a front runner. In fairness, when you point that out, like their chemistry, I see that. But then I think about like his chemistry with anybody and I'm like, no, it wasn't there. Like I just didn't see him having that natural banter with anybody. Like even the playfulness wasn't there. It all felt forced to me. And so I just go back to, I didn't feel like there was chemistry with Rachel at all. I felt there was less chemistry with Rachel and Michelle had more personality than Rachel. Rachel to me, felt very vanilla. Like there was just nothing about her that stood out to me. This sounds very mean and I don't mean it to sound mean, but she was just very forgettable to me, notwithstanding all of the stuff that happened outside of the show, but within just the context of the show, there was just nothing to me that was like, wow, yeah, they should be together. Whereas at least with Michelle, I was like, she's so sweet. She's so kind. She's very real. She's very upfront about how she's feeling. And she just felt authentic. So to me, it was more about that. And I just felt like he doesn't have chemistry with anybody. So no, that's a really good point. And I didn't think of it that way because I think what I was always judging with Rachel was his responsiveness to her. He was the most eager with her. And I think maybe I mistook that for chemistry. His reactions were the biggest with her. You know, he never thank you for sharing with her. He always was engaged with her, whereas some of the other women he sort of kept at a distance. And then you question everything you saw after watching him send Abigail home because he's someone that I actually do feel like yes. I saw chemistry with. And it ended up that he didn't care to spend time with her or make her anything more than the first impression Rose recipient. So, so that has me looking back at the season completely differently and questioning everything I thought about these interactions we were shown. Even Brie for that matter, I thought their final date had more chemistry and natural banter than either Rachel or Michelle. I completely agree with you on the Abigail because I thought that they had, that was the best example of good chemistry to me between a contestant and the other people on the show. That to me, that relationship was like, oh, this season's gonna be great. That to me was the standout relationship of the whole season. And then, yeah, it was like, 
okay, so the reason you're letting her go is because you like kind of forgot about her. You were so content with the, with the relationship that you had that then you developed stronger relationships with other people. It was so bizarre to me. Yeah, I just never saw that level of chemistry with anyone else. So then I was even more confused because I'm like, well, but you had better chemistry with this girl that you let go, but you're letting her go because you say you have better chemistry with the other girls and nobody is seeing that. I don't think Matt had a real grasp on any of his choices. No, um, I think it was all very much in the moment. I think ultimately it was a, he didn't want to get gay, engaged. So maybe this was just, if that's in the back of your mind the whole time, right? Even if you're not aware of it, maybe you're subconsciously making decisions that are going to lead you lead you to that ultimate conclusion. Oh, good point. Good point. Because, okay, so now we're in this conversation with Chris and they're having the am I ready talk. And I couldn't help but feel like <laughs> in this whole conversation, they're having this cloak and dagger like thing where it's like, we're talking about the issue, but we're not really talking about it. Because yeah. if you were really talking about it, you would say like, hey, Chris, so I know I'm on this show, but man, like, I'm not going to do that thing you guys want me to do. And instead, it's more like, you know, ooh, I'm, you know, visiting my feelings and taking into account my mom and my dad. And it was, all, it was all such baloney because what he wanted to say was, I know I said I would do this, but I'm not going to, okay? <laughs> I mean, and the funny part to me was like, you're not the first Bachelor contestant to go on and not propose, dude. Like right. the whole thing about The Bachelor is there are no rules, allegedly. Yet why they still have to like give out a rose or whatever is just, you know, fine, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I just, that whole conversation to me was kind of hilarious because you're sitting there and you're watching Chris's reaction. Like his face to me just said it all. And ultimately I love that he comes out he's like, so what I'm hearing you say is you don't want to get engaged. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what he's saying. Okay, like we can, we can move forward with that. And then the greatest irony of that is they have this long conversation. His ultimate takeaway from that conversation is I need to be real with these girls, right? So then he's like, goes on this long date with Michelle, drags it out, ultimately says goodbye. And then just ghosts Rachel until like proposal time. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so weird to me. I don't know. I Bad production choices or if it was just Matt being Matt. I have big problems with the fact that he ghosted Rachel. The issue was somehow about, am I ready to get engaged? But at the end of the day, ghosting her shows you don't really care about her because you yeah. know in that moment what she's expecting you've canceled a date which now has blown her brain apart right and, and so in her head all you must be thinking is he's trying to figure out a way to break up with me because he's spending more time with Michelle and right. I don't like that he has no problem letting her live in that world for and suffer like that for however long. And if it was just about the engagement, you would still wanna spend time with her and reassure her that everything's yep. cool. I'm just working some stuff out. So to me, that's the perfect demonstration of, it's not about the engagement. This is purely about you and what you have done and how you have ended up in this position because to me, that move was selfish. It was selfish. And 
the sending home of Michelle was selfish in my view, because he only sent her home at that moment because it got so hot in the kitchen when she broke out those cringy jerseys that he was like, (laughs) I can't like, it was so hot in there. He was going to book it. It felt very frat bro to me. You know, like it was a, I'm panicking because she's talking about marriage and she's excited about it. I mean, and then as we found out and after the final rose and she was like, I just needed two minutes of your time to like say my piece and leave and just have that closure. And you wouldn't even give me that. And then he wouldn't talk to Rachel either. And so to me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is all about Matt. This has nothing to do with these women. So yeah, you're definitely not ready to get married. If you can't even think for 30 seconds about how these women are feeling and consider what they might need. Like you can't sit there and tell me that you love them if you can't take into consideration the point of view that they're coming from, their feelings in those moments. I just, to me, screamed of a high school or college relationship and a frat boy who is suddenly panicked. Yes. Oh, that is such a good way to put it because truly how many times have you sat in a room with a friend who's going, but why would he do that? Why would he say that? Why wouldn't he see? I mean, we saw that in the, after the final rose, when Michelle said you, you know, she called him on not talking to her and his response was like, oh, I didn't know you were that hurt. And And I feel like everyone was going, but you just broke up with her after she gave you jerseys with Mrs. James on the back, which please never do that again. How could you have misjudged that situation so much? I know. And that's the thing is it's just, it just showed his immaturity to me. And, and again, I had such high hopes for him, but it was like, okay, you're just not, you're not there yet. And that's okay. That was, it was just hard to watch. And I just, I felt bad for the women who were at that point or thought they were, were ready to get married. And, you know, that's, this is how it ended. I've seen this play out too many times with my friends, like you said, and you just sit there and you're like, they're not treating you right. Then it's probably because they don't care about you the way that you care about them. Right. I felt like it was easier for him in that moment to blame this alleged baggage related to his mom and his Mm -hmm. dad than to address his own feelings, which were, I don't feel strongly enough about these women. I'm not ready to move forward with that portion of my life. And, and I want out of this situation. I just always feel like the um, over communication is better is the best way to go. So, right. Like maybe he's confused in his head and he's thinking, he's thinking that the reason that he can't make this commitment is because of his parents' relationship or something his mom said or whatever. Ultimately it's better to just say, if I'm being honest, like I am not ready to make this commitment. I don't know if it's because I'm just not feeling that strongly for these women or if it's because of these doubts that I have from my past, but it's just like, okay, just present out like all of the things that are going on in your head. And he just didn't communicate clearly that that's how he was thinking. Instead, it just became this jumbled mess that nobody could navigate. And even Chris Harrison, who's dealt with this kind of stuff for his entire career, saying they're like, uh-huh, yeah, great. So let's cut through all of this to the main point. Right. <laughs> um, it was a mess. And and I mean, I hate to, to blame him entirely. I think just, a, but I think a lot of it is just immaturity, inexperience, and, you know, ultimately finding himself in a place that he didn't want to be. 
Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to get out of it. And how many times have we all been there, right? You get into, get yourself in too deep and you don't know how to get out and you're just trying to find any way out to kind of like save your skin. The the thing is, is just looking at how your decisions are going to impact the other people involved is always an important thing to look at. Well, I don't think anyone is sitting here saying Rachel deserved a proposal and you didn't give that to her. I don't think anyone wanted him to do something that he wasn't ready to do. I mean, we've seen that be disastrous in in Bachelor (laughs) Mason to begin with. You know, sometimes there are two kids afterwards. Um, Thinking of Carly and Evan, you know, it's like... Mm -hmm. And and in, in particular, I noticed that in his deliberations, there was not a lot of, I know how I feel about Rachel. Rachel is the right. one. Like Rachel's name was not the focus of that situation. It was all him in that moment because it, it wasn't about the action. It wasn't about the result. It was purely about him, not about her. It was all I, 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 I. And one of my favorite things, and this is probably too deep for Bachelor, but one of my favorite things (laughs) that somebody told me like about marriage was, uh, it's like a story or something that it was, um, you know, a a guy was very nervous about getting married and having essentially cold feet and talked to his dad and was like, no, I I don't know if I should go through with this. I don't know. And his dad asked, you know, do you have cold feet? He said, I just don't know if she can make me happy. I don't know if she can make me happy for forever. And the dad said, well, then you are definitely not ready. You shouldn't be looking at it as, can she make me happy? It should all be always be about, can you make them happy? Can they make you better? And can you make them happy and fulfill them for the rest of their life? And it just always stuck with me because it was always like, yeah, if you're ready to get married, then your focus should be entirely on the other person rather than yourself and how it's going to be good for you. So, and I just feel like that was totally lacking in any of his deliberations and any of his decisions that he made about proposing or moving forward with one date or another. Can we just briefly talk about Neil Lane showing up to cash that check? (laughs) You gotta love it. He is dedicated and where there is a will, there is a way with Neil Lane. He's like, maybe, maybe if you just hold it. Maybe if you just hold it, you'll feel like you should propose. And whereas I was kind of expecting him to like pick up a diamond ring and be like, oh, heck no. And like, put it right down. That whole thing was just such nonsense. And we've seen some nonsense conversations with Neil Lane before where you feel like, well, this person probably shouldn't be proposing to this person. Like by then Michelle was gone. And at no point did you hear Matt say, I feel like Rachel would like this one. Instead, it was like, Neil's oh yeah, saying, I like this hair, one. Hair shape rings are my favorite. And Matt's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw that. I noticed that too. I was like, well, it doesn't matter if you like the ring. Like, I doubt my husband would have liked the ring that I picked out. Like, you should be saying, yes, I think she will like this one. Like, I can see her wearing this one. I don't know. It just so it was all cringy. Watching oh. a train wreck in slow motion. Yes. And especially when Neil Lane came in, I thought for sure they wouldn't even show him or somehow, somehow still give Neil his credit in another way. But no, I can't believe they made us sit through that when perhaps that 20 minutes would have been better used, you know, to give to the after the final rose, because that felt like there, there could have been more there, you know, so that all leads up to Matt then bringing her to that gingerbread house in the woods or whatever that was. <laughs> 
<laughs> with the ring. Can we just talk about how he had the ring and is looking at the ring like he doesn't know what he's going to do as he's standing under this like hopper in the middle of the woods and you're just like, bro, you got the ring. Like it was so you know, I'm, weird. I'm just to gonna me. hold on to this deal. I'm just gonna He's just like looking at it and then she comes in and says her spiel, which is always one of the most cringy parts of the final episode is that they make like the contestant like give their pour their heart out and be like, here's why you should marry me. (laughs) Ultimately knowing that they've already made up their mind. Just like, (laughs) all of it is weird. (laughs) Well, and I know, I know the aesthetic of it is that it's supposed to be a nice big handwriting so it can be seen on camera, but it drove me bonkers that even the note that says, dear Rachel, you need answers is in the big producer Sharpie handwriting. Like if you're Rachel, it's like, wouldn't that have been the one place? I understand they can't do that with the fantasy suite or the date cards. Sure. We, we don't believe Matt's penciling those cards, but (laughs) this would have been the time for him to write the stupid card. I would have been angry if instead of knocking on the door like a big boy, that's like getting an, <laughs> that's like getting a text message of, yo girl, like, I know you need some answers. What you got for me? <laughs> like to me, it's just, I think even if he had written a note, the whole concept of just sliding a note under the door to address your problems is an issue in and of itself. You should yeah. be putting on your big boy pants, knocking on the door and saying, I am sorry, like face to face. It's hard, but you know what? You got to do some hard things if you want to end up married at the end. And uh, we see that that's not Matt's um, strong suit. <laughs> so, so after all of this, he stands in the gingerbread house and he says, we're going to build on this. My love is enough. You are the mother of my children. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, another cringy moment where you're just like, so you're saying she's your person. She's going to be the mother of your children. <sighs> you don't need to yeah. say that. Why did he say that? He didn't need to say that. I, he ran out of things to say. <laughs> I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. It was just weird. And we spent the entire episode of him deliberating whether he was ready to be engaged. And it's like, well, dude, if you know that for sure, then why wouldn't you just propose? And it seems like, I I, does, I can't connect the dots. What did you think about the fact that Chris Harrison has taken a step back? We know that they didn't cut him out of these episodes, which, okay. But they had him voicing the teases of Emmanuel Acho coming up next. So clearly he recorded those post being told to step back or offering to step back. I thought that was a strange choice. What do you think was happening there? Adding to the the drama of that was the lack of a studio audience, which of course they can't have because of COVID-19 precautions and stuff. To me, that was the thing that really added to the after the final rose seriousness and the mood was like, suddenly you don't have like, the fan reaction, the people clapping when the, when Rachel or Michelle come out and, and you don't have them cheering for Chris and um, the things reacting to the things that he says. Uh, it was very weird. It just had a, there were a lot of vibes. 
I listened to an Instagram live last night with Reality Steve and Ashley Spivey, and they were very mad that Chris was allowed to voice those teasers because they felt like that was in direct conflict with Chris Harrison stepping aside. And I didn't think of it that way. I thought of it more as a little nudge showing that they were committed to him coming back eventually. Yeah. Um, But they were really very mad about it. And they thought that the show should have found another way to voice those teasers than to have the guy in the voice booth who they said they don't want anywhere near this production. I definitely see it as hypocritical if they've made the decision to move as far away from Chris they have. But I just have never gotten that. Like if if they were thinking that, then I feel like ABC would have come out and said immediately like, we are cutting ties with Chris Harrison completely. And they haven't said that. It's always been, he is stepping aside. He is taking this time away. None of the direction has ever been, you know, ABC wants Chris Harrison to step aside. Although of course, you know, that there's gotta be some influence in there. Yeah, the whole point is that he needs to step away from the show. I guess I just think of it from like a production standpoint and how much of it was produced before all of this this happened. I think there's no way to eliminate him from the episodes, especially when he's, you know, part of these big last conversations. I think they were specifically referencing those teasers of him saying, hey, Emmanuel's coming up next to talk about, which you know had to have been recorded in just- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear him actually talk, addressing Emmanuel. I heard him like introing the show. So that, and I was like, okay, well that was in pre-pro. So maybe we didn't have time to cut that out but I didn't realize he had actually teased ahead to Emmanuel being the host that makes it a little different I feel like okay so after the final rose already like you're saying no audience no um no Chris the tone is already we've come from this happy 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 they just got engaged and it's like the show the show knew that we knew that 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 everything had changed by that point yes and you suddenly you're like all right, we got to switch gears from our light, fluffy, faux reality TV here to the serious conversation about real life and issues that are surrounding the show and the controversy. And it's not controversy of, you know, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so. It's it's much, much bigger than that. It was a huge tone shift that I don't think anybody is used to with The Bachelor. We're not used to it, right? We've never seen that kind of a tonal switch. Where do you want to begin with the after the final rose? Um, I can't remember like what order everybody came out. I think they brought out Michelle first. And that's when yeah. she revealed that that he had had declined that follow-up conversation with her. I don't really feel like there was anything groundbreaking coming from Michelle because I feel like the whole time we're sitting there listening to Michelle, all we're thinking about is I want to hear about, I want to hear from Rachel. I want to hear from Matt. I want to hear what happens between them. I want to know about that. So um the only thing that I really took away from that Michelle conversation was, you know, like every other girl who gets kicked off the bachelor, she was blindsided by it. And um, then the, the fact that he didn't, wouldn't see her so that she could get closure. And then she got those little digs in at him. She's like, I hope you learn to kiss with your eyes closed and say something other than thank you for sharing. And I was yeah. like, oh, girl, I was like, I like you so much more now because I always wanted like one of the bachelor at contestants or whatever to just like call out one of the bachelors on their BS, like Ari, whenever Ari would be like, Hmm, I like that. I just (laughs) wanted somebody to say like, dude, what? 
So yeah, I really appreciated that when they had their little chat together. I think she's gotten the clarity now on that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, as she said, like, she was in love with him. She's not anymore. Because now she can be the bachelorette. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da, Okay, so Matt has a beard. After watching the episode, I feel qualified in my non-psychological education training to say that that beard was a metaphorical wall that he put up to like hide behind. Like, I feel like, I feel like that was like a (laughs) subliminal, like protection of his, like of his self and of his heart. And I feel like that was like a visual representation of that. I did not think of that, but that is (laughs) spot on. It was, uh, the old Matt is gone. (laughs) Yeah. I would a hundred percent agree with that psychoanalysis because it was just yeah, I mean, he was like a different person. And I mean, in fairness, he, you know, he's gone through a lot. There's been a lot of um, a lot of publicity surrounding him, surrounding the show, especially this season. And and he dives into a lot of that that pressure that was on him um, as the first Black Bachelor and letting himself go wild, go free, do what he needs to do, go live in the woods, be a lumberjack. If that's what you got to do to cope, then go and do it, I guess. <laughs> What I saw was the same thing that happened in um, the very first Sex in the City movie when Carrie dyes her hair brown and then she has to dye it blonde again when she's like back to her Carrie self. So to me, this beard was Matt dyeing his hair brown so that people can stop recognizing him as the woman who Big left at the altar in, you know, huge dramatic fashion. And every woman at one point in her life gets bangs. It's like the the quintessential like identity crisis of I am not that person now. I need something to prove that I am going through a transformation and I am a new person now. Let me get bangs. The beard was <laughs> Matt's bangs. <laughs> I could not agree more. I could not. Agree I mean, more. some men get mustaches. He gets a beard. I don't know which is worse. Yeah, this beard was not my favorite. And I'm I'm a typical like beard kind of a lover. This Me too. And I, beard. I yeah, me too. And I was like, oh, I am not feeling your beard. Like, it was <laughs> I was definitely it was a lot. It was a lot. I actually was going to post something on Instagram as I was watching what my reaction to his beard was, but it was just like I think it was just going to be I, I am overwhelmed by the beard. Okay, so one thing that Reality Steve did also say last night in his IG Live was that had the Chris Harrison thing not happened, there would never be a moment on this show where two Black men sit on a stage together and have a conversation. And I thought that was a really good point. You know what I mean? Like they actually, and they thought about what a different season it might have been perhaps if Emmanuel or someone like him would have been in Matt's very first conversation. Remember when he sat down with Chris and talked about his objectives and his, you know, pressures on him and such. And I thought that was a decent point. Like maybe that's a way that the show actually shows change instead of just talking about it is incorporating more diverse people in these different roles and that actually represent people's perspectives on things or life experiences. What do you think? To me, having Emmanuel on there was like, oh yeah, why didn't we do this for the whole season? Because it would have, if this whole Chris Harrison thing hadn't happened, imagine having Chris Harrison on the stage to talk about what happened with Rachel. Like it would have felt so disingenuous to the severity of the issue and what is happening. Like it just wouldn't have felt 
real and like we would have gotten any real answers. And I just think that this was such an obvious choice, but we didn't know it until I actually, or I didn't know it until I actually saw it and saw a manual with um, Matt and having this conversation. And it was like, yeah, this conversation shouldn't have been happening between Chris Harrison and Matt. It should be happening between two black men um, in this setting. Like that yeah. just, it, it felt a lot more authentic and really spoke to what the issues actually were and addressed them. Emmanuel lobbed some really tough questions at Matt and Matt sidestepped all of them. Yeah. Um, in particular, I wrote down the, um, and this was a good point because I feel like this is what a lot of people were saying was, if you can't forgive Rachel for what has happened or at the very least stand by her sa side because of what has happened, um, he said something like, people will say, maybe you never really loved Rachel. And he, I, I forget yeah. how he answered it, but he basically didn't. When Emmanuel framed that question to him, because I remember thinking, yeah, that's a great, a great point that I would love to hear Matt's response to. I kind of took it as Emmanuel setting the stage for Matt to be able to um, address how deeply the issue with Rachel affected him. I think Matt's response was something like, I just remember him saying, and I don't know if it was indirectly re related to that question, but I remember Matt saying, if she can't understand why this hurt me so much, then you know we can't be together. She's never going to understand what it's like to have black children or raise a black son. And I thought that was a pretty valid point. And I think that's one of the hardest things, right? Is trying to be, to understand another person's perspective, especially someone of a different race. It was a very important, poignant question. I don't know if we got the full answer from, but I also kind of took it as I'm not going to be able to understand Matt's answer anyway, because I can't fully understand Matt's perspective. As hard as I may try, I'm not going to be able to. I wrote that down also where he says, she'll never understand what it's like to be Black in America or raise Black children. I hope that that is a realization for him about choosing the next partner you know maybe right. in choosing Rachel he didn't think about why that would be important to him in a partner because we certainly and here's the thing if his season had been all about race he would have been criticized but uh -huh. instead we did not really see him talk about race with very many I think he had a conversation with Brie about the George Floyd situation that had just happened yes but but overall his feelings about race never really came up in their conversations that we were shown. And then he's saying, this is a main deal breaker for him because she can't understand me. And it's like, okay, then I hope in your next relationship, you're able to identify that as being something more important to you than you perhaps maybe realized, which has happened to everybody in a relationship where you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much that mattered to me until this person I was with couldn't give that to me. Rachel didn't realize that either. I think it just really showed the difficulty of a mixed race relationship. Cause Rachel, when Emmanuel asked her and said, how long did you stay awake at night praying that those photos would never surface or knowing that they were out there and here you are in the final two or three of this show with the first black bachelor. And to me, I was like, dang, okay. like." 
I thought that was a good question also. It was, and, and to me, and she's, her response was, I honestly didn't think of it because it didn't even occur to me. To me, they were just pictures with friends. Neither one of you really thought about the effect that race would have on your relationship. And to me, it was like, I don't know, it, it really just showed um, the stress of it that I never would have thought of before. Um, and so it brought it to light. So I think in a, in a way that was really beneficial to the conversation and continuing that the conversation of race and relationships and racial relations in our country. When he asked her, what do you blame your ignorance on? Like, was it where you were raised or your family, your education? Huge props to him for asking it. And props to her for recognizing and saying, I'm, this isn't to blame, I'm not blaming anybody. Like, this is on me. I think he pointed out several things to me that were very insightful about the approach to anti-racism and racism mm -hmm. um, and, and how you develop and grow from that. Let's talk a little bit about Matt and Rachel's final conversation, because I think this is where a lot of people are feeling disappointed because we have the two of them on stage. It's been four months since that moment in the gingerbread house. And he really, she has never looked younger or smaller in that moment. And it was, it was very, very difficult to watch. It was just, it felt, I mean, it was uncomfortable. Daniel said that like four times, it's gonna get uncomfortable, it's gonna get uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable, it felt disjointed. I mean, I don't know that there was a way to, to make it any different than that, but yeah. I, I thought it was weird though, they embraced, like they gave each other a hug when he first came on stage. But yeah, then they did, he wouldn't look at her. I thought it was weird that she like reached out to like rub his shoulder and like tried to hold his hand. It was just difficult to watch how that relationship had devolved. And in some ways I'm like, okay, well that just shows you how much this affected Matt, right? On the other hand, to me, it felt that she was, yeah, I don't know if she was looking for approval from him, an okay sign, let's say that, an okay sign. Something yeah. to that was gonna be like a, I acknowledge that you are trying to do your best and, and educate yourself. I accept that and I am happy that you're doing that. Just some acknowledgement of, I know that I messed up and I'm trying to fix it type thing. And there was none of that. I liken it to when, you know, if you're arguing with your husband and maybe there's been like a couple of hours where you just kind of like have not spoken. You're just gonna kind of like take some space from each other. And all it takes is for one of you to like crack that one little inside joke and you do it kind of cautiously where you're just like, beep. And then once that ice is broken, it's like, doesn't mean that you're both forgiven on each side, but you both go like, okay, now we can talk about this. And I think she was right. waiting for the, for the boop, you know, where it's like, mm -hmm. all right, he's not, he's not horribly mad at me. He can be mad at me, but not be mad at me coldly the way that he was she was waiting for that that release that never 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 came yes I would that is a perfect metaphor she was just waiting for some little sign that not that she was forgiven or anything like that but just some little sign to like take a sigh of relief and it never came and and to be honest I don't know if she necessarily deserved that because right that's the whole purpose of of anti-racism is 
what does she actually deserve? You know, we shouldn't be talking about that. It's the impact that it had on Matt. But I think putting that on stage, right? And, and having people watch that emphasized that point and, and showed you, you have all these people saying like, she deserved more or, you know, she, oh, she's working hard and deserves to be forgiven. And she herself coming out and saying, stop defending me. I don't deserve anything. I'm doing the work, blah, 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 blah. And then also seeing him be so cold and you see people taking sides and the divide actually happening. I don't think Rachel deserved anything in particular because I think Matt is allowed to proceed with a relationship the way that he wants to. And she doesn't deserve his forgiveness. She doesn't deserve him to um, play nice with her on TV. But I will say that all you can do is kind of control like what's on your side of the fence. And so Matt, knowing that that conversation was going to happen, this was not an ambush situation, could have showed up ready with something to say. Even if it wasn't complete forgiveness to her, I think people would have just reacted better to him just saying how he felt. If you don't forgive her, fine. I don't need you to forgive her. She doesn't deserve for you to forgive her. Like it doesn't have to be that way, but show up, say why she hurt you, say why this won't work and leave with your side of the fence clear. Matt, I think, just took the, the silent way out, which we saw him do with Michelle. And we hear that he broke up with Rachel via phone. And I don't, I don't like those two things. I don't like those two things. Because regardless of what you're arguing about, I don't think Matt was fair. But I also think that on the one hand, I see it as he didn't sign up to be the racial talking point. Right. Yes, he took on he took this on knowing he was going to be the first black bachelor and that race was going to be the undercurrent of his entire season. But I don't think, you know, he did not come into this season thinking that the after the final rose, which you have to sign on for, was going to be an entire conversation about racial relations in America. And that's what it it ended up being. And so on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, I would have liked to have heard him say something, something more concrete of this isn't okay. I now see that you can't fully understand my experience. You wouldn't be able to understand my children's experience. And because of that, there is no future for us. And instead it was silence. But at the same time, he didn't sign up to have that profound moment. Like Emmanuel Acho is a, is the uncomfortable conversations with a black man guy, right? He's the guy that's at, making those statements and saying those those things that really make you think and and um, pushing people. And Matt isn't. He's just the guy who signed up to go on a reality TV show and date a bunch of girls. I don't know. I see it from both sides, I think, of... Uh, and then I, I go back to the idea that, yes, she did her part, but why should we expect him to have to say something to her, I guess? I just think it's a difficult position, and I can, I can definitely see how he's like, I didn't sign up for this. And so yeah. I'm just, I'm not gonna come out and say anything that's gonna further make this issue divisive and uh, a circus. Okay. So last week, um, Zay and I talked a little bit about the racial issues in The Bachelor. And so this is what he said about Matt's silence. He said, 
I think he should have been more ready. I'm pretty sure they prepped him on what questions might come his way, but he seemed totally unprepared. It was really awkward just watching them sit in silence while Rachel was crying. I hope he didn't use this as an opportunity to play victim. I would say the ball is in his court on how he goes about this. He could quite possibly be letting go of someone who could be very important to him in his life. I do understand wanting to take some time, but I think there's a way to do that without leaving her out to dry like that. Um, So his main thoughts to me yesterday when we were exchanging messages was that everything Matt is feeling is fine, but he thought that there was a missed opportunity to forgive. And it doesn't have to be forgiveness as in wiping the slate clean, let's get back together. But he thought there could be a resolution of sort of what you're saying, which is I recognize that we are not a good pairing because you you will not understand my experience in the way that I want to be understood by my partner, but you Mm -hmm. can still feel that way and extend, I don't know, some uh, kindness seems like too nice a word. An acknowledgement of the, of, her presence, I guess, is the way, an acknowledgement of the situation that you're in. Whereas I, it did feel a little like he was trying to be invisible. And if he's just invisible, maybe it'll all go away. Whereas yes, it's a miss op- missed opportunity to educate and possibly forgive or move forward, move in any direction, maybe even backwards, but an acknowledgement would at least move things and keep it going. Whereas the silence it felt kind of immature, like a, yeah, you're in a, you're in a difficult spot. This is not what you necessarily signed up for, but maybe there's an opportunity here to make something good come out of something that wasn't great. And I think that's fair to say that it was immature simply because we saw other instances yes. in, which, in which this may be a pattern of his where he gets into a situation and runs. And look, that's a fault that a lot of people have in relationships. I mean, everybody works on some tendency that they have in a relationship that makes them, you know, an unproductive partner in some way. So I I don't think that that's like some terrible criticism of him. I think we have no problem tearing apart a lot of the men on this show for behaving badly. Even though it was dealing with a much greater and more important topic, it's it's still the thing that I think he needs to work on his conflict resolution in yeah. no matter what you're talking about. Yes, and now that you mention it, he dodged the drama in the house too. Like he tried he sent some girls home, but like never ultimately like never really addressed the conflicts that were happening way early on when all of the craziness with the original girls and the new girls and all of that. So yeah, he does. He shows. And then obviously with Michelle, he ran away from conflict, which again, yeah, as you said, it's something that, you know, we've seen, we've all done, right? Nobody likes to be, well, some people like to be involved in conflict, I suppose. (laughs) But um, this is definitely, it was a much bigger issue. And yeah, it was a running from the issue, avoiding it, hoping it goes away if you don't say anything and don't acknowledge it rather than acknowledging it one way or another. Because I agree with you. He didn't sign up to be the racial moderator of the world. And he doesn't have to educate someone on racial issues if he doesn't want to. That's not his obligation um, just because he agreed to be the first Black Bachelor. But I think having more to say on his end would have would have helped that 
Yes. And again, I think it all ties back to my feeling that obviously there's an issue within the Bachelor franchise, right? We've had multiple people come out and say that now. It's a topic right now of race relations in the country that is boiling. And so it's something that deserves to be talked about. I think that having a manual in there was very helpful to add some authenticity to the conversation. And there were some really good things that I think came out of it. But it just shows the the amount of work that still needs to be done within the franchise. And do you think they'll be able to do that work in time to make Michelle's season better than this one? So I'm very confused. I'm I'm curious, and maybe this is out there and I just haven't seen it yet. So Tasha and Caitlin will be hosting the Bachelorette. Because now Michelle will be the the third black bachelorette. I mean, I don't think these issues can necessarily be resolved unless they're like cleaning house and changing an entire culture within a franchise. But I would hope she wouldn't sign on to it unless there were huge changes happening behind the scenes. My impression was that they were going to be co-hosting both seasons to which my automatic irritation is like, yep, you know, because one woman is not good enough. Like it's one woman can't replace Chris Harrison, but two, you know, I don't know, just something about that just screams like, yeah, no, I agree. It was like a, why you couldn't pick one? Like, right. Like, cause why couldn't you pick one? Just dumb. Like, of course, if a woman gets it, she's got to share it. You know, it's got to be like a, a little buddy moment. It can't just be like choosing a qualified woman, whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. And I've heard I've heard um, on other podcasts that, that basically Caitlin and Taysha agreed to this without really knowing what they were agreeing to. Because why not? Oh, you know, why wouldn't they just agree to it? Like, hey, you want me to have a more elevated role within the franchise dynamite? You know, like... But isn't it a little frustrating that this is the second time we're having two bachelorettes and... I mean, granted, they're each getting their own season yeah. this time, at least. But right, like we just had Claire and Tasha, and now we now we're doing two again. To your point, I used to like The Bachelor better than The Bachelorette because, like, the girls and the personalities of the girls and and all of that like kept me going. And then after this season, I'm like, I cannot watch another woman tear down another woman like one more time because this is just driving me insane. So yeah, let's just throw the men into the lion pit for a while and let them like go nuts on each other because I'd much rather watch that than a whole bunch of women just bring out the worst in each other. I reject the idea that, oh, it's, it's, you know, they needed the drama or whatever. I reject that idea because these women still didn't need to behave that way to each other. And every time you elevate someone like Victoria and allow her drama to dominate the season, that only emboldens the next Victoria to come around and act the same way. Looking back in hindsight over the whole thing, they had no choice but to keep bringing in women and stirring them up and allowing Heather to drive up in a minivan because at the end of the day, they were not getting the relationships from Matt that I think they wanted. And I think that's all become clear now. Yes, 100%. That that was their, they were throwing out life preservers left and right, trying to get someone to stick, find someone who had chemistry and ultimately, I think the the big story, which you said, I think when we were first talking, you first said, and before the season had even started, or it was after the first episode, is Matt really ready to be in a relationship or does he just want to be in his quarantine crew down in Florida with Tyler and Hannah and partying in Boca? Is he really ready? And I think we got our answer in this week's finale was, right. no, I don't think he really was. And it, and 
putting all of the much bigger issues aside, he didn't propose. Like he ultimately didn't propose and didn't feel ready to be in a committed relationship. Jillian, you were an excellent recapper twice on this season. I appreciate your perspective. I will give you the last word on this season and um, and we'll we'll leave it at that. Ultimately, disappointing, unsatisfying season uh, as far as the, you know, ending up with a relationship and some good feels coming away. But uh, if it does nothing else, it at least elevated a conversation that really needs to be elevated. So well said, Jillian. Thank you so much. I appreciate your perspective. All right. Thanks, Denise.